37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Welcome to 37 Disney Street Friends, the show where we take you on a fun, informative and sometimes factual journey through every Disney classic from 1937 to present day, ranking them as we go. You wished upon a star and here I am, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Fletcher. I've got no strings and I'm Lucy Rain. I may be life bait down there, but I'm with ya. <laughs> Hello children, I'm Hugh Rain. Hi, everybody. Both of you. Always a card, isn't he? Isn't he? Um, <laughs> so, how are we all feeling today? A bit hyped up on Diet Coke, if I'm honest. Nice, me we've, too. We've all had Diet Coke, and uh, I don't normally have caffeine, so in about five minutes, I'm going to be intolerable. And I talk You're fast at the best of times. Babbling like a monkey. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'm really conscious of the fact that in episode one, we didn't really introduce ourselves properly and, and explain who we are or anything. We just... Mm. Who are those guys? How yeah. remiss of us. Why so, should I be listening to them? So do you want to introduce yourselves properly? Yep. I'm uh, Lucy Rain. I've already said that. Yeah. I am a lifelong Disney fan. Uh, Disney obsessive might also be the word. Uh, if I have to give some credentials, I was a cast member at the Disney Store UK um, for about four years, about ten years ago. Wow. <laughs> but I think a lot of my Disney education came from there because they do a, a really good um, job of getting you on brand to Disney when you work for them. There's staff quizzes and they've got lending libraries of books and videos and DVD. Well, it was VHSs at the time. That's how long oh, ago geez. it was. Yeah, so it'll be longer than 10 years. Um, so that's where I watched all the Disney films, learnt all the trivia and immersed myself in it. And I've never looked back. So you and Walt must be like that. I'm we are best buds. Together. Yeah, best buds. He remembered me in his will. Wow. Lovers. <laughs> Steady on. Okay. Um, hello, I'm Hugh Rain, husband of the aforementioned Lucy Rain. Uh, and I'm a cartoonist. I write and draw for the Beano every week, currently. And uh, my main job is I work in a studio making greetings greetings cards for UK greetings. And we also handle the Disney license. So I work a lot with Disney products, making pop-ups and things. So I've got chops. You've been to head office. I've never been well, to head office. Well, I've been to Disney head office in London. In London, but yeah. still, it's a had magical a, um, place. Had an early screening of Big Hero 6. Uh, it was very early in the morning. Uh, I'd set off from Murfield at about five or something. And I cried in front of my boss because uh, I found it quite touching. And I was tired. <laughs> oh, I also watched uh, an extremely early screening of The Incredibles 2, which was a rough cut. And it was just all like, some of it was just line tests. Some of it was untextured models. And yeah. But if I have... Inside knowledge, I'm not going to tell you anything because I respect the mouse. It's also in your contract. Yeah, I don't want to lose my job. Sage. Can I give you one more credential that you haven't mentioned? You've got a degree in animation. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forget about that. that. Yeah. It was so long ago. I, yeah, I studied animation at university. Um, and I've only animated about three or four times since leaving. Then that was, what, 15 years yeah, ago? Yeah, you got the illustrator <laughs> job pretty quickly and then... Yeah. 
it's less labour intensive, isn't it? That's right. I have to draw sort of twelve times fewer pictures now per second. Wow. <laughs> Chris, who the hell are you? Well, I'm Chris Fletcher, and I'm not married to either of you. You'll be relieved to know. Um, Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I went to Disneyland Paris last year, which uh, basically means that now I like Disney, so that's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> I, oh, don't play yourself I, now. I guess if, if I've got credentials, it's more to do with theatre than anything else. So mm. um, I perform in musicals, I've directed plays, um, been in plays, I do that sort of stuff. But really, I'm just I'm just quite passionate about the Disney stuff ever since I went to Disneyland Paris. And um, this infectious... Um, love of Disney that you two have has rubbed off on me massively over the last six months and I really yeah. wanted to do this and I love podcasting as well so it, it kind of took two things that I love at the moment and and the that's three of us talk about Disney with each other a lot yeah we so do. sticking a microphone in front of us seemed like a, a smart move really yeah. in fact Chris you were so passionate when you went to Disneyland Paris that I got a, a text message off you <laughs> and um, I forgot you were in Disneyland and your text said something like are you ever just overcome with emotion by the beauty of everything? And I thought you were just sat at work having a moment. <laughs> no, but you were in. I, I, I sort of lent across to my, my friend at work and I said, "I think someone just messaged me by mistake. Like, doesn't this is strange? Why would he? Why would he tell me this? He must have just been in a really good mood." And then about three hours later, I went, "Oh, he's in Disneyland. That's why he's so happy." Yeah. You see, that was actually a group chat, and yeah. that's why I got the same message. And I knew exactly where you were, Chris. And within seconds, I had replied, "Yes, yes, the magic <laughs> small world." Could have told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stood outside. It's a small world. Watching the Halloween parade go by with Lucas and it was just uh, yeah magical funny that mm. it's one of those words isn't it you hear a lot around Disney but it was and now we're going back next year and we're taking my parents with us <laughs> it's going to be a storm <laughs> wow I'm also a, I'm a I'm a Disney runner I'm a run Disneyer oh yeah you are if aren't you can. if that gives me any clout whatsoever I've sacrificed my legs for Disney well, the kids have all been sent to Pleasure Island and we're in the belly of the whale ready to talk about classic number two, 1940s Pinocchio. How do you remember how to spell Pinocchio? Uh, I didn't really have a thing for it. Um, I knew it had well, one N because I keep spelling it wrong. You were typing it in earlier and you sort of went Pino and then you did the rest. And I thought, oh, he remembers it because he likes Pinot Grigio. No, because... Even though there's a T on the end of that. Oh, no, because I would have... It, it would. <laughs> Earlier today, I would have gone Pinocchio, probably. And then, but spell checker always brings it up as wrong because it only has one N in it. Oh. And then the end of it's like Italian, so there's two Cs. That'd be easy to remember. There was like a Japanese slash European animation in the 90s, I think, with Pinocchio. It was really weird looking in it. He had a bob. But the theme tune was P-I-N-O-C-H-I-O. That's Pinocchio. Pinocchio. I remember that. And that's yeah. how I remember how to spell Pinocchio. Wow. Uh, funnily enough, it was actually my password on the computer when I worked at the Disney Star. So oh. it's, you know, when you get to a point where you can type something without I hope you used noticing you're doing it. I hope you used it. a capital P and one of the I's was a one. I, they really weren't <laughs> that tight in those okay. days. Fair you enough. could get away with anything. Um. Interesting. Well, as always, we're going to break our discussion up into three sections, the story, the animation, and the music. Uh, so who wants to kick us off today with the story? I will. 
Go on then, Hugh. Oh, that was confident. I don't know what to say. Well, I was trying to work out, because I, I saw Pinocchio about a year ago for the first time as an adult, and I absolutely loved it. And then I watched it again a couple of weeks ago, and I was trying to work out why it wasn't sort of landing with me this time. And it's because I just watched Snow White, and I'm so enamoured with Snow White that Pinocchio just wasn't doing it for me. And it really suffers in comparison, for me, with Snow White. Yeah. The story, I don't... Snow White is such a straightforward story that I don't know how on earth they arrived at the story of Pinocchio. I mean, what's the origins of it? It's a, a novel by an Italian novelist whose name I haven't written down, but I will look up, look it up while you talk. Batoli or something? I wonder how close it is to, to the book. Because it's such a strange story, such a fantastical story, compared to how... You know, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, quite non- linear stories, the, um, the Snow White one, but Pinocchio's weird. Well, I had non non-Disney version of Pinocchio as a kid, and I think... The way the way the story is for me, it, well, not just for me, just in general, the way the story is, I think, is about it? showing different um, vices, if you like, different sins, mm. and the whole idea is that he he's demonstrating all these different things through these different stories. But the thing, the the big thing about Pinocchio is that his nose grows when he lies, and that's what everybody knows about Pinocchio and knows what he does doesn't happen very much in the film, does it? No, it's just, it's a one-time thing that happens yeah. in that situation. It's not something that happens every time he lies for the entire film, because he does actually lie at other it, times. Yeah, he does, yeah, yeah. It's just, when so the I, blue fair is there, is a punishment. I genuinely, because I, I watched it not so long ago, like you, Hugh, and uh, that's not an easy thing to say. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I was the same. I was like, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I watched it again um, this week. And I'd completely forgotten about the nose growing. So when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, but it's Pinocchio. His nose grows, doesn't it? Because I must have missed it when I watched it last time. And so if you miss it, then that whole plot is completely irrelevant. But actually, it's something that happens to him when he lies in the story. It's, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt because I've looked it up. It's Carlo Collodi. Um, I think that's how you say it. C-O-L-L-O-D-I. Collodi. Is he? That's the bird watcher, isn't it? That's Bill O'Dea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I do believe it is fairly... There are lots of elements that are taken directly from the book. I don't think as a linear story it's entirely true, but mm-hmm. all the sort of different elements, the Pleasure Island and so on, I think do all come from the book. Yeah, they do, definitely. Mm. It's weird. It's a, it's a real adventure, though. Yeah. Do you know what? I think if I watched it in a slightly different mood... I would have really enjoyed it. Drunk. Because I did a year ago. Mm. Maybe drunk. Yeah. Maybe something else. Who knows? But it's odd. There's drinking and smoking in it. Mm. There's a lot of c- cigar smoking in this film. Yeah. yeah. Fighting. Yeah. Fighting. But you always get your comeuppance for it. Every misdemeanor is punished and heavily. It's absolutely terrifying. Terrified me as a child. I've never liked it. I've watched it many, many a time. I've never particularly liked it. And I think the reason is I didn't like the naughty boy. And Why Pinocchio's... was it your password if you didn't like it? Oh, no, I think you got given. I think I was on the team. Oh, okay. I think I was on the Pinocchio How team. How very secure of Disney to have a team password. No, I can't remember if it was a password. I know I had to type it a lot. I can't remember why I had to type it. One of those things. Um, but it, I just didn't like the, the element of the naughty boy, <laughs> particularly. Um, and it's, you know, Which naughty boy? 
Well, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. I know it's not his fault because he doesn't have a con. Because his, his conscience is external. Can you imagine having that like an external hard drive? <laughs> You've got around, to remember yeah. to plug it in. He's it also only work. a good conscience and he can't have a conversation like on the shoulders with the devil and the angel. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. a conversation with the bad one. The bad one's in his head and the good one's not. Yeah. And he sleeps in and forgets to tell him stuff. He's just, he's generally ineffective. But I would sit there as a child. I was fairly well behaved as a child. Just going, don't do that. Don't go there. Stay away from that. Put that down. It sounds it like really you're doing dis- the right thing for you. Well, then, it really it? disturbed me. Yeah. <laughs> I did find some of the humour lacking as well. Again, because I found Snow White to be legitimately funny, especially mm. when the dwarfs are doing the thing, doing the dwarf thing. They're hilarious and the animals are funny, but there's not that much humour in it, really. There's The only humour really comes from... Jiminy Cricket. Being small and put yeah, into small but, situations. It's not that funny. I mean, you know, it's not a... It's not something you have to have is humour in, in one of these, but again, just suffers in comparison to Snow White. I, I find it very uncomfortable as well in today's climate, the fact that a lot of the humorous gags involving Jiminy Cricket, particularly in Geppetto's workshop, involve um, busty wood, wooden women and, and their <laughs> bums and stuff. Yeah. I liked that bit. <laughs> um, yeah. He's the, he's the light relief, but you're right, he's not very light. Do you know what Jiminy Cricket was in the book? No. A mouse. Well, he wasn't called Jiminy. He was just a cricket. Um, but Was he a cricket then? Yeah. In, yes. Whilst being a, a naughty boy, as Pinocchio was, he um, he squashed a cricket with a hammer. And then that cricket came back as a ghost cricket to tell him off for it. I love old stories like this. Yeah. It's like, like in uh, the end of Rumpelstiltskin. He's so angry that he smashes through the ground. Explodes. Oh, the girl, the, the the ugly stepsisters cutting the heels and the toes off. Yeah. yeah. To try and fit into the or slipper. in Hansel and Gretel where the, the prince or the king comes along and marries Gretel, but she's about eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so when they, they sort of, they decided they needed a conscience because originally the film and the book just didn't have a conscience. The point was, he, it's a study of humanity and how left to our own devices, we'll do anything and we don't know the difference between right and wrong. Well, this wasn't sitting very well as family entertainment. Mm. So he took this little tiny element that the ghost cricket came back and admonished him and turned him into a character. And Jiminy Cricket comes from um, a way of swearing without swearing, you know, like saying, oh, sugar, it's instead of saying Jesus Christ. It appears in Snow White. It does. Mm. Jiminy Cricket's. I thought that was the world's first Easter egg. So I looked it up, but no, it was actually a saying before then. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, I used to get him mixed up with J- Jimmy Cricket. Oh, yeah. I get him mixed up with Jimmy Cranky. Right. Jimmy Cricket being the uh, Irish comedian. Yeah. And Jimmy Cranky being a little boy that when you found out as an adult... No, I remember, I remember my dad telling me that that's not a little boy, you know. It's that's a, not only a woman, but he's... That she's married to, to that man blew oh. my mind. Jimmy Cricket goes, like, come here, come here, there's more, there's more, with a better Irish accent. Come than here. He actually, yeah, I can't do anything. Greek come drama here, has got nothing here, on more. ITV comedies, has it? Come here, there's more. <laughs> We're still working on this accent. <laughs> come here, there's more, there's more. Anyway, go on. So, well, for me, in the story, I really like the opening and the narration from, from Jimmy Cricket, how he's explaining how everything happens. Mm. I, I find that great. Um, the... The story itself, like you say, it, it feels quite fragmented, and I think it's 
it's like a series of chapters in a book. Mm. And in a, when you're reading a book, you accept that there isn't necessarily flow because you come to the end of a chapter and you start a new one. And so you just accept that it's these characters and now they're in a different situation. Um, but it's quite difficult to get that flow. And, and what makes that happen within this film is characters like Honest John, where where they take him from this, oh, well, this hasn't worked, so now let's do this with him. And yeah. that kind of moves it along, which I think is quite And they do, they do have motives, do these villains, whereas I think we criticise Snow White for, she was just there and she was evil and that's all you needed to know. They have kind of, they've given them a purpose, which I quite appreciate from a story point of view. Yeah, it's quite quite seedy as well. And like... It's incredibly seedy. That's why I never liked it. But and I did read one critic who said it was the only middle-class Disney film, and his, his thoughts behind that were um, it's very down on anything working-class, like playing pool or smoking mm-hmm. music halls, amusement fairs, particularly at the time, were seen as like working-class pastimes. And um, that would lead to a life of manual labour as a as a donkey. So they sort of married those two things together of manual labour and lower class amusements. And then it's, you know, it's saluted. Delayed gratification, self-denial, thrift and perseverance, which is what all middle class boys need. So it's basically a conservative manifesto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How very Absolutely. political it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Interesting. Anything else about story, anybody, then? Well, how do you feel about it, it in general? It's a cautionary tale, isn't it? And it's, yeah. a, it's a very effective one. Very effective. Because I've already told you I was terrified of it, and I know your son, Lucas. Lucas is terrified of it. I I wasn't terrified of it as a kid, but I wasn't terrified of Watership Down as a kid, so I think <gasps> maybe I just... I understand it for what it is, but I don't feel the fear of any of it, so... Yeah. I was just a very good boy. I find that hard to believe. I was such a good boy. <laughs> a real boy. Um, okay, well, should we talk about animation then? Hmm. There are some good underwater scenes. Standout scenes are the underwater scenes. I think... Um, like there's a bit where where Jiminy Cricket's in a bubble and he pierces the bubble and the bubble fills with water. Mm. Which is yeah, really yeah. funny. Mm. Um Is that all I've got to say about it? It's, <laughs> the that's where the real innovation came in this film. Like they'd already done the groundwork with Snow White, but they had to do some it went massively over budget, did this film. And it was all to do with developing techniques to do with water and, you know, depth perception and bubbles. and. But the, but the depth, I think, is nowhere near as apparent. As there's, there's, one piece in, there's one piece where it is, which is on uh, on the day when he goes to school and that whole scene when that opens out, is, mm. is it really, really showcases that. I know that yeah. And that's zooming out and it takes you right into that whole scene. Yeah. And... and the the detail of the animation of the characters in that piece isn't particularly great, I don't think. But what's going on there? There's so much going on, but you do get that depth there. Mm. They'd, they'd further developed the multiplane camera there to um, <clears throat> allow for a lot more lateral movement of individual elements mm-hmm. um, as well as the camera. And you can... I, I don't think I would have noticed it 
just as a casual viewer. But once it was pointed out to me, you can see as your eyes sort of pass an alleyway, what's in that alleyway will move sideways as yeah, it yeah. would as you were walking past it. And it really is fantastic. My favourite shot is the opening shot where you go from a star to a nighttime village, zooming in to a lit window and into the window. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's gorgeous um, even now, but at the time when they didn't have special effects in live action films, the only way you could achieve that would be animation. It must have just astounded them. It's interesting. I was watching the Walt documentary on Netflix uh, a couple of weeks ago, and when they were talking about Pinocchio, the animators there were saying this was the perfect animation. Mm. Um, I'm not convinced it absolutely is. There are some things in it that I absolutely love. The the fact that they built actual working clocks to then animate them, because that whole piece with the clocks, I mean, there's, mm. there's good and bad about it. Firstly, all, every single clock does its own thing. And, and when you look at that as a whole, it's very impressive. But what they then did was... Let's have a look at each one of them individually for the next three or four minutes while everyone's dancing around. And it just, it, it, it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. It's like they don't believe that people can take all of that in, in, in one shot. So they need to go and show all these things individually. Yeah. But if they spent all that money and time on it, they then want to it give also some service, comes back they? to the the animators working there. We used to doing shots and we used to doing silly symphonies and yeah. so on. And so that kind of set piece, that kind of playing with clocks is really in their comfort zone and in their expertise. It's the same as the silly song in Snow White. It's just, it's where their abilities lay. Um, And I love that bit. And I could look at all those clocks all the time. I know it interrupts the action, but I find that far more entertaining than some of the bits. See, it reminds me of um, of It's a Small World, which I know is your favourite ride. And the yes. reason it reminds me of It's a Small World <laughs> is because there's so many, everything's doing something different. And when you yeah. go around that ride, there's lots of very, very similar, same mm. uh, characters doing completely different things. And you can go around numerous times and every time you go around you spot something different and i i love that in an animation i love that in anything mm. um it's that attention to detail i think that I, I really appreciate i just think i know we've we've named a couple of scenes that you know we deem to be impressive but i think just in general there's more of a flatness to this i'm just thinking of some some kind of uh some of the scenes in snow white when they're in when she's in the dwarf's cottage um They've just put things in the foreground just, you know, as a matter of course. Yeah. Whereas they seem to, for, you know, these aren't the impressive scenes. These are just the everyday scenes. You know, there's a depth to all of them. But they seem to forget that in Pinocchio, especially the bit at the start with the clocks. There doesn't seem to be much depth to it. I know why depth's so important, but like, you know, once you've seen it in, in Snow White, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep hammering this point about how Snow White is better. But uh, there's just... <laughs> They just seem to have taken a step back a bit, I think. They maybe concentrated more time on a couple of the the more establishing, uh, the bigger establishing shots, but they've just left the other in-between scenes just a bit flatter. Yeah. When I think of Snow White, I have a really clear picture in my head of how it looks and how it feels. Now, maybe it's because there's so many locations in Pinocchio. You've got the underwater, you've got the Geppetto's house, you've got Pleasure Island... But I just don't get that that single lasting image in my brain. It's just there's I, a lot. I have one single lasting image, and and for me, it probably ties back into the water. What you were saying before, but it's the way the whale moves. It's almost watercolor sort of 
or, or maybe maybe wax type paint sort of feel to it. But the reason that the whale works so well is because pretty much every shot when he's chasing them, he's covered in water over the front of him. So mm. the actual detail of the whale is hidden, but it looks like it's going really fast and like flying through the water. It's, there's, it's there's really almost like a, it's great. a crayon texture on him. It's yeah, nice, yeah. It? Um, it's like watching uh, the snowman or something. Yeah, but yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, I suppose it is. He's, yeah, he's you know he's. he's Skin just seems like to be alive. Like, yeah, sometimes I, I will say one thing though um, that's very clear. Two classics in um, Disney do animals incredibly well. When you look at uh, Figaro and the way that oh yeah the way that Figaro moves when Geppetto's stroking him and and uh, that that kind of petulant spoil. Um, well, jealous older sibling is almost what he is, isn't he? Mm. The way the way that 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 they take a real animal and make it feel real in animation is great. But the other thing they do in this with Honest John is show what they can do in terms of anthropomorphizing. Yeah, within the same film. Yeah. You're back to the Pluto goofy situation, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> but it's, it's great. If I have one character that I, I hate... I'd never thought of that, you know. Yeah. There's Geppetto and all these people and then there's a wolf knocking about. Is it and- wolf? Yeah, and a cat. A fox. A fox. A fox and a, a cat. Sorry, a fox I meant. Yeah. And you'd, you'd know not to trust him, wouldn't you? And then, Yeah, so then there's that cat, and then there's... This is this was the point you were making, wasn't it? Yeah, well, so, yeah. But it's only just sinking in now. Maybe I wasn't giving this film enough attention when I watched it. There is, there is one character, though, that I don't particularly like, and it almost harks back to a style that, that appears in Snow White. Well, it does hark back to a style that appears in Snow White, and that's the, uh, the blue fairy, or whatever she's called, that... Mm. It just doesn't fit, does it? Is it just me? She just doesn't fit, and I know the idea is that she's not. She's kind of not really there. It's almost ghost-like, she's isn't it? Otherworldly. Because uh, but it's she's human realistic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and everyone exactly. else she's is. She's got a human real, realism. Mm. It's not as good human realism as they've got in Snow White. Either. I have a feeling that might be rotoscoped. Because well, there was some... rotoscoping. I know um, mm. Jiminy Cricket. Some of his stuff was rotoscoped. Wasn't well, no, it? it won't be rotoscoped if it's Jiminy Cricket because. Yeah, they would have had to dress someone up as him, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, make his head that shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas okay. I think, yeah, she she doesn't move the way Snow White does. There's something I don't like about her. I agree. I'm not being very specific <laughs> here, am I? <laughs> so some good and some bad then, I guess. Mm. Well, let's you, move on to music, shall we? Well, do you, did you know, have you seen the pictures of the original Pinocchio? Who they did make him like a wooden puppet, complete with joints in every finger and and carved out of wood and very angular, and they animated huge chunks and then they just decided no one would like him, <laughs> no one would care, and um, they tried to draw wooden jointed fingers, which if you look at your own fingers would have ten joints in them in five fingers and lots of bits of wood and they were just too hard to draw so that's why he's wearing gloves if you notice he wears gloves through the whole film cheaters Mm. i just figured that was a a disney stylistic type thing stylistic choice no it was just to hide his difficult hands i believe (laughs) understandable so music then how do we feel about the music in this? There are some Stone Cold classics in there. There are. They're some of the best Disney music. When You Do Wish you... Upon a Star is basically the Disney anthem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and it won an Oscar for Best Original Song. Yeah. 
Do you like the way uh, he goes? I have to say, I love Cliff Edwards' voice. I absolutely love it. He was a very famous musician at the time, wasn't it? It's he the was. equivalent of managing to get like Lady Gaga to do a song or a voice now, and it, it was a real coup to have him on board. Do you know what song he made famous in 1929? No idea. Oh, you like this one? Singing in the Rain. Ah. Yeah. It was one of his songs long before the film came out. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've got to say about yeah. it, really. But yeah, I, I love his voice. I, I really love his voice. I love the character of Jiminy Cricket and he'll pop up again in, in Fun and Fancy Free in the future, which mm. is a really strange thing for him to pop up in. But it, like, it, it, I really like his character in that as well. Um, and he's not a cricket. No. He's not a cricket. The only reason he's a cricket is because they call him a cricket. Yeah, some kind of in bug. The, in the words of Ward Kimball, who drew him, you know, he just couldn't get the knees to work, I think. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So what song, songs have we got? We've got When You Wish Upon a Star. There's five. When You Wish Upon a Star, An Actor's Life for Me. Correct. Give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. I forgot about that one. I got oh. no strings to hold me down, which is one of, another one of the greats. Little Wooden Head. What's that? Little wooden head that Geppetto sings. I need be- to watch this film again. Before it becomes a real... Yeah, that one. I like that one. That one. Little wooden boy. That one. Hi, diddly dee, it's an actor's life for me. Now, I'm familiar with that song because of um, a sitcom in the 90s with... Um, who's the guy who was in Gregory's Girl? Gordon something. It's got like a... Anyway. But that was the theme tune to that sitcom. I don't remember. Do you that. not remember this? It was just about an actor. He was he was Scottish. I think he was living in London. So I, so when I first saw Pinocchio as like a teenager, I, yeah, I, I was surprised to hear that song again. Because I knew it from this awful sitcom. You see, we had a cassette of Disney songs when we were kids. And that was always on in the car. And pretty much it was... All the songs from Pinocchio, from memory, and then songs from Jungle Book. So uh, things like uh, I've Got No Strings were regularly on, songs we listen to all the time. I wouldn't have thought of this as a musical film if you'd just asked me about it. Out of the blue, you know, on the street corner, what do you think of Pinocchio? Musical wouldn't have come to it. But when you think about it, there's no bad or forgettable songs in it. No. Unless you hew. And you forget little one, little wooden head. I seem to have forgotten this entire film. <laughs> I've seen it twice in the last year, but uh, and I, you know I made extensive notes last time. But yet, <laughs> some of the things you're saying to me today is, is news. I, I think for me with the music, the the thing that it lacks that Snow White had is that is that orchestral beginning to end continuous. Music, it, it is there, isn't it? It's not quite there. No, I mean, it, and and it doesn't work in the same kind of way. No, you don't, yeah, you don't have moments like you've got with the turtle falling down the stairs and, yeah, where it's a real character. It doesn't feel like a character of its no, own. No, it's, it's, it's not, not at all. Mm-hmm. Have you, how did you watch this film? Did you stream it? Uh, yeah, I have Disney Life, so. Oh, we, yeah. Disney Life over here. You watched it on there, yeah. You should have used that as one of your early credentials. I know. Because we watched it on uh, on DVD and at the end of the film, there's a version of When You Wish Upon a Star by Megan Jet Martin. Oh my God, yes. And it's horrible. It's absolutely awful. 
They they take the um, the line when you wish and they repeat it. When you wish, when you wish, when you wish, wish upon a star, and it's dirgy and miserable. Auto tunes with an inch of its life. I think it's pre sort of proliferation of oh, it's got that tune. tinny sound. It's got it. a very sort of precocious, pretty young girl singing singing this song. Oh, by the way, that's John Gordon Sinclair from uh, Actors Life for Me. Thanks, was, wasn't he in Fraggle Rock as well? Was he? Yeah, he was. Fraggle Rock. Yeah, uh, for the in the UK version, he was because do you remember the the one of the characters they used to do they did. Did it slightly different for the UK for America? I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called, but yes, he was Uncle Travelling Matt. No, it was like, like JC or P. Fraggle Rock. PD, P P Diddy. I can't remember. Are we talking about the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I could be wrong. John Gordon Sinclair was in Fraggle Rock. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This will be one for Disney do-overs if we uh, wow. ever get anywhere <laughs> with that. Feature that's shorter kick off. And if was he old enough? <laughs> well, Fraggle Rock was in the 80s, and the sitcom you were talking about was in the 80s as well. 90s, I think. All right, well. It was in Gregory's Girl in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm, okay. <laughs> Need to research this. I don't think I'm being believed here. I could IMDB it, but. Uh... But we need to watch this uh, Megan Jet Martin version of When You Wish Upon a Star afterwards. Okay. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. It's you can share it on there. Uh, we, we yeah, we watched it with media the as well. looks of horror on our faces, didn't we? Oh, it, it, I mean, it, it made me do a little sick in my mouth. <laughs> and that's sh- not an exaggeration. I'm sure you can YouTube it. Well, actually, can you? Disney are very uh, <laughs> protective, yeah. unless they put it up themselves. But why would they? It's dying. No, I, they need to bury that. Yeah, there was a song cut from this as well, wasn't there? I say as well. I mean, as well as Snow White. I we, don't appear to have that information, Chris. Well, there you are. There was a song called Honest John, uh, which was about Honest John, believe it or not, and it was cut. And I had listened to it the other day, and um, it's the level of operatic that Snow White is, which wouldn't have fit at all with the music in this film, because what you've got in this film is far more music hall, I would say. It's not It's not quite to that early day um, musical Rodgers and Hammerstein yeah, sort of feel, yeah. or, or something like we're going to get in the future with Dumbo. And, and beyond, it's more like what was around in the 30s, that music mm. hall sort of um, feel. And I guess that ties in with Honest John as well. He's quite a vaudevillian type character, isn't he? Mm. There you go. That's about as as much research as I've met I've done. Gideon and Foulfellow, Honest John, and it was my favourite meet and greet of last year's run, Disney. They were at about the uh, six kilometre mark, and both of them just engulfed me in a hug and because they're both so tall and furry I just disappeared in this lovely warm cocoon of fur do you wish it was, was it was my favourite do you one. wish you were still there <laughs> in those warm arms I do it was so brief but so pleasant oh lovely that's what people say about me <laughs> Do you want to have a look at the IMDb scores, Chris? Yeah, let's do it. What about me? Do you want to ask me? Do you want to have a look at them too, Hugh? Yes. Okay. Well, she'll share them. IMDb gave it 7.5 stars, which in our out of 100 scale would be 75. Now then, Rotten Tomatoes, got it right this week, the audience score was 72, 
So just a, a whisker under Snow White there. The critics' score was 100%. Preposterous. See, I told you, the perfect animation. It's. I must say, when I was reading up about this this week, every thing that you read started with how highly acclaimed it is and people refer to it as the benchmark, um, a perfect film, perfect script, perfect story, everything. It's rather strange that we've managed to tear it apart as much as we have, but it is universally acclaimed as proven by its Rotten Tomato score. Interesting. Now, I've been quite critical of it, I think. But having said that, looking at my scores, they're still very high. Very high indeed. Um, For story, I've given it an eight. It is dark and there's a persistent threat of temptation and corruption. But it is an enjoyable romp. And the way you described it earlier has been a sort of a a story of morals and uh, learning. You You know, that's helped clear things up a bit for me. I give it an eight. I'm a bit torn with this one between appreciating it for what it is and personal taste. My The appreciation would be quite high, but as I've said, the film has always made me feel uncomfortable. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, it, I would say it's only my last viewing of this film that's made me feel like I maybe don't like it as much as I thought I did. And for me, the story has always been one that I loved. I loved Jiminy Cricket as a character. Um, I love the drama involved in it, the excitement at the end with the whale. Um, and I love that it's like chunks of different stories. And in one of those stories, kids turn into donkeys. I love that. So I've given it an eight. <laughs> what about animation? Animation. Do you know what? I'm going to give it a 10. I, I really, I can't find anything to criticise. The only thing might be that I don't, get the warm and fuzzies the way I do with Snow White. But I think that's been a bit nitpicky. There's some amazing water effects. There's some beautiful backgrounds. And that opening shot is to die for. So it's a solid 10. Um, for me, I uh, I love the attention to detail in the scene with all the clocks. Um, I love the, the, the use of depth. Uh, in the school scene, so when when he's going off to school and the way it all zooms in there, I absolutely love that. I love the whale at the end of it. There's a few bits where maybe they could have been a bit more detailed, but I personally, I know Hugh, you've said differently, but personally, I think some of the details, particularly in Geppetto's workshop, are on a par with what what's in in the house in Snow White. Personally, um, I've given it a nine. I think that the animation's good, but I don't think it's the best. Um. It's rescued for me by the underwater scenes. But it still gets an eight. Very good. Music then. Shall I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the music for me, it's it's got some of the staples that, that I've grown up with. Um, it's, got, it's got the classic When You Wish Upon a Star. Um, it's got I've Got No Strings. I, I, I love all of the music in this film. Literally the only thing that that I would have liked to see would have probably been for that score to be continual and, and to have worked in the way that it did in Snow White. That, that would have knocked it up to a 10 for me. Um, so I'm going to give it a 9. I would give it an 8. There are some classics. Don't doesn't personally appeal to me completely. So I reserve a couple of points. Gets an 8. Yeah, I like the songs a lot. 
Um, I agree that the scar itself, the underlying scar, isn't as memorable or as much of a feature as its predecessor, Snow White. I am going to give it an 8. The professor made a wooden toy called Pinocchio. We didn't see him make it in another video, but um, when we see the first bit, it does his eyebrows and then his mouth, and then he has to go to bed after a little dance. And when he was asleep, someone came to make him alive. And then he went off to school, but he got lost on his adventure. And then he went in a show, and then he got locked in a cage. But then Jeremy did Cricket helped Pinocchio to get out. And then he went to Pleasure Island. And then there was some boys that was turning into donkeys and then Pinocchio nearly turned into one but he got away quick enough and then he went back home and then he saw the note and it said that the professor had been eaten by a whale and then the man that was painting him um, went under the sea and then he got swallowed by a whale and then they finally got home and then they had a celebration back at home the end they tried to get back out and then they went back home and they all lived happily ever after and he became a real boy my favorite character is jiminy cricket because he tells pinocchio what to do my favorite character was pinocchio because he came in real life from a, just a wooden toy. My favourite song is the one that goes like this. I've got no strings to hold me down. My favourite song was Hi Diddly Dee, a lot, a lot to me. My favourite bit is the end because the man gives um, the fish a present and they have a celebration which is nice. I would give Pinocchio a 4 out of 5. I give it 2 stars out of 5. So with the kids' scores included, that gives us an overall score of 81, which puts it in second place behind Snow White. What was Snow White again? 86, I believe. Oh, so not too far off. No, but we can start building a table now. Yes! How exciting mm. is that? Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, what about the all-important cry factor? Ooh. Do you know... I'm going to guess you didn't cry. Not really. I mean, it's nice when he turns into a real boy at the end. Sorry if you you know, if you don't it's know how, how it goes, but you know, you've had long enough, basically, haven't you? Um, but there's a kind of a general flippancy to the whole thing, and I never found myself too emotionally invested. So... I only give it a one out of five on the cry factor scale. But the shot where he's with his donkey is face down in a puddle dead is pretty harrowing. Mm. Doesn't make me cry though. Geppetto, poor Geppetto, when everything's lost and he's stuck in that whale. 
I, I don't know. I, it I reminds agree with me you, of my dad does Geppetto. So he always tucks at my heartstrings. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got a similar moustache. So you, you're Snow White and your dad is Geppetto. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What about favourite bits? Just in general, overall. Oh. I like the clocks. We've talked about that. I'm really, mm. I'm into all that. I like when you wish upon a star. I like, there's a bit um, where I think Pinocchio's about to dive down into Monstro to find Geppetto. And he says, goodbye. And Jiminy Cricket says, goodbye. I may be life bait down there, but I'm with you. And I think that's really sweet that he's got his buddy with him, mm. even though it could be facing certain death. That's my favourite bit. Didn't make you cry, though. Not really. No. <laughs> Did you know that there is currently a live-action remake in pre-production? Has it not been in pre-production forever? There's a surprise. It it has for quite a while. I. It's hard to get information on stuff like this, but it does look fairly uh, going ahead-ish. It was one of the first ones announced, wasn't it? And um, Tom Hanks is apparently in negotiations to play Geppetto. Okay. <laughs> which, I mean, I'm, I'm going to champion Tom Hanks in anything, but... I know we've said we will do a show at some point about the general concept of sequels and remakes, but um, I think they've got to be very careful not to flog any more horses. It's interesting because I laugh at every single one of these. I laughed when they went, oh yeah, Tim Burton's going to make Dumbo, but the trailer for that looks pretty damn good, really. Hmm. Yeah, but... You're yeah. Not gonna, I think yeah. it looks good. Yeah, but thou I shalt know. never forget Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yeah, I think Pinocchio. There could be a good remake of it. I don't think they need to. They don't need to do any of them. But you know, do you know what they'll do though? It, they might just pull it off. They'll wheel out Johnny Depp and turn him into a fox and make him honest John. They do it every time. Just put him in a cupboard and forget about him. Oof. Well, it's that time again when we have to stop talking nonsense and give someone else a chance. So, in the words of Geppetto. Goodbye, son. Hurry back. Goodbye. (laughs) Good night, children. You've been listening to a 37 Disney Treat podcast with Chris Fletcher, Lucy Rain, Hugh Rain, and of course the kids, Lucas and Bonnie. You can follow us on Twitter at 37DisneyStreet, find us on Facebook, or visit our website 37DisneyStreet.co.uk. We'll be back in two weeks with classic number three, Fantasia. See you real soon.